Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Great to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here. We're going to be kicking off a brand new series this morning um, entitled Reassembly Required. The subtitle here is A Beginner's Guide to Repairing Broken Relationships. Now, I know this probably won't apply to many of you guys, but you probably know somebody who's been through a fractured, broken, awkward relationship, right? And of course, that was a joke. That was a pastor joke, so it's not really that funny. So anyway, but for many of you, you would be able to uh, concur with this statement that uh, broken relationships, it's not an if, it's a when in life. You're going to, we're all going to face them. We're all going to be in families where they're present. And it's difficult, and you've got to work with them, around them, somehow, uh, in your life. And it's always going to be something that you can't really get away from. So um, it might be, and I want you to think about it for just a minute. What is the one that sort of comes to mind? It could be from the way past, maybe it's the present a relationship in your life, maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's one in your family, it could be with you and your spouse, it could be at work with a co-worker, it could be in your neighborhood, a neighbor, a literal neighbor um, that you're having a conflict with. Wherever it is, isn't it true that, and let, take a look at this statement, if they would just see things your way, everything would be okay, right? If they could just come to your side and understand where you're coming from, it'd be all right, now, we're going to be asking the question in this series you've been asking for years, and that is this. What's wrong with these people, right? What is wrong with it? Like, repairing broken relationships shouldn't be this hard, but it is, isn't it? I read recently that relationships are very much like cars, you see, when it comes to cars, it, we, we are a lot better at starting them and driving them than most of us are at repairing them, right? Relationships, starting a relationship is pretty intuitive. Like maintaining a relationship is somewhat intuitive. Trying to fix a relationship that's broken, not intuitive at all. And usually the tools that we reach for, I'm speaking for myself and, and most of us here, the most of us, the, the tools that we reach for are not working for us. They are not helping. They're hurting. And as a matter of fact, the list that most of us reach for, I like to call it the C4 list. Okay, let's take a look at this together. Now, there's not, you know, you may be looking at C4, you're like, C4, isn't that like a plastic explosive that's really dangerous? Well, that's just purely coincidental, wink. All right, anyway, but we tend to, whenever conflict arises in relationship, we tend to, and I'm talking about me too, we want to convince, right? We want to convict. We want to coerce. We want to control. Now, we would never say it that way, and we don't even think about it and process, process it to that level. If you're the user of one of these C4, sometimes, many times, I would say, you have no idea you're doing it. You don't, you're not even aware. But if you're on the receiving end of any of these four, oh, you know it's being used. If you're the receiver, you can feel it and you don't like it. And I have been told by my girls, 
that I tend to do this sometimes. I have to be careful. Now, that second one there, convict. I'm a pastor for crying out loud. Of course I'm going to try to convict in the house sometimes. And I have learned that's not real great for the relationship for me to try to play the role of the Holy Spirit for someone else. But we all have tried to do that at times, and it has been to the detriment of the relationship. So here's what I'd like to do. I want to get real practical and talk about a couple of statements that maybe you've heard or you've even used. You don't have to say it out loud. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But you have used inadvertently in a relationship conflict, and now you can kind of like, oh, I see the error of my ways, okay? So let's talk about the first one that sometimes gets thrown out. Here it is. I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm sorry if I offended you. Now, to the user of this statement, it doesn't feel controlling. It doesn't feel coercive. But it, it, it like actually feels like, hey, I'm, I'm moving your direction. I, I feel like I'm actually admitting that I did something wrong. Like, uh, I'm, this ought to be helping to fix the relationship. But the translation, if you're on the receiving end, the translation is, you're too easily offended. In other words, what I said or what I did would not have offended most people. So uh, you're just too sensitive and frankly, not very mature. Okay, that's really what it's saying to the other person. It's saying, so what happens is you say a statement like this, and what does it do? It doesn't fix the relationship. It offends them, and it pushes them further away from you. You actually heard it. You actually made it worse. Now, let's look at another statement that tends to be controlling and coercive. It doesn't feel like it to the user. It goes something like this. I said I'm sorry. Why are you still upset? Like, why, why are you? Like, here's the translation for that. I've done my part. You should be fine now, right? It's that you're not fine, since you still have a problem, then the problem's not with me. The problem is with you. You're the one who's holding up the relationship. You, we ought to be like, I hit the reset button because I said I'm sorry. <laughs> and we should be all the way back to where we were, like starting over, like as if it didn't ever happen. Well, that's easy for you to say, right? But we tend to reach for these things, and they don't really work for us. My point is, with all of this, is that repairing relationships, reassembling relationships is not intuitive. That re reassembling a broken relationship is a learned skill. It is something we have to learn. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks in this series is how do we go about that? Because as a general rule, most of us, and I will throw myself in that category, we're just not that good at it. Now, I'm not trying to put all the blame on you. You probably grew up in a home where you weren't taught how to manage interpersonal co conflict and, and uh, rifts and, and breaks in relationships. You didn't see it modeled very well. As a matter of fact, I bet many of you probably can remember stories where you saw your mom or your dad estranged from, let's say, one of your aunts or uncles, one of their, you know, one of their siblings, and they weren't talking. Like, they were, they, it was just kind of this awkward avoidance. And there was a part of you, from your vantage point, you thought, why don't you just call them? You're making this like a super huge deal and it doesn't have to be that big of a deal. Why don't you just pick up the phone, right? But to them, they think, I don't even know where to begin. Like, I, I, 
it, it's been so long and the offense was so long or so hard or whatever. I don't really know how to get started. So instead of dealing with it, they just avoid. And they started that awkward avoidance dance every time the family gets together. You get that call of like, so when are they getting there? And when are they leaving? And uh, every graduation, every wedding, like, well, we can't set those two together. They're like, we're trying to, they're trying not to make eye contact. It's this awkward, weird thing. And that usually goes on for years until somebody in the family either gets really sick, they get, they get hurt, or somebody dies. And then all of a sudden, this offense, this issue, starts to get really, really small. And hopefully, at some point, usually somebody's willing to push through the awkwardness and finally say and do what they needed to say and do for years and years, but they weren't willing. So what has been happening in all of these years? Instead of enjoying the relationship, instead of it being healthy, instead of it being good, what was happening in, the, in its stead? Well, we were waiting. We were avoiding. We were rehearsing. We had our own little cold war going on within the family. Some of you are going, I got several of those going on in my family. People that don't want to talk, maybe you're a part of it. But here's the thing. You're waiting for them to do what you should do. And here's why I say that. Because when you rehearse the offense, you're in the right, aren't you? So am I. We're in the right. So that means you're the better person. You're the bigger person. And the bigger person is the one who should initiate reconciliation. You ought to pick up the phone. You ought to take the initiative. So let me, before we go any further, I want to set some expectations for this message as well as the series. We're going to talk about what is the goal and what is not the goal. Let's start with what it's not. The goal is not reconciliation. Okay, now let me explain that. That may sound very heretical and like, what in the world is this pastor talking about here? So here's why I say that. A broken relationship is not like a broken cell phone or a broken dish. You unilaterally do not have access to all of the broken pieces. You can't put it back together all by yourself. It takes two people to do that. Now, this does not take away from the fact that we are working towards, we are praying for reconciliation, but we can't let that be the goal. And, and, and put it another way, never set a goal for another adult human being. Don't set a goal for another human being. That does not work out well for you. Especially if, if you are a parent of adult children. I know this is hard. I've got a couple of adult children and I have some really sweet agendas for them that I would love to impose on their life. But I have to let them make choices for their own life. I gotta back off and love them and be a friend to them and not be trying to convince and coerce and you know, control and all of those things and, and convict. And <laughs> I have to back off a little bit. You see, you can only set goals for yourself. Now imagine this for a minute. There is a relationship. Let's, let's say it's a marriage and there's a rift in the marriage. There's a, there's a fracture. There's a, there's a conflict and it's causing some distance. It's causing some issues. And one member of the marriage decides, hey, I need to get, we need to get counseling. 
but the other person's not willing. So they go to counseling by themselves. Now, if it's a good counselor, that counselor's going to sit down and say, hey, let's set some goals, not for the other person, but for you. You're the one who's here. You're the one who's willing to work on this thing. So let's help you to do the best you can do, but we can't set an agenda for that other person that doesn't work. They're not here unless they're willing to come and they're willing to humble themselves and submit to someone who might know more than they do. It's just not going to work. You have to only set goals for yourself, not for other people. Because here's the thing. Goal, a goal is an agenda and agendas tend to undermine relationships. And here, I'll prove it to you. When you're in a conversation with another human being, and you get, you pick up on the cues, they have an agenda for me. They're trying to sell me something. They're, they're trying to, they're trying to, like, they're being sneaky about it, but they definitely have an agenda. Do you like that? No, nobody likes that at all. Now, for some of you, I hope this is like, bing, a light going on. This is part of the reason why for some of you, you have failed at repairing relationships in your life because you sat down with an agenda. I have a goal for you, and I'm going to, by golly, I'm going to help you achieve it. And they're not willing to go with you. They're not convinced that's where they need to go. So it's important that we're willing to back off. And, and if you're a parent today of an adult children, this might be why when your kids come to visit, they're constantly looking at their watch or their cell phone because they feel like you have an agenda for them. They're ready to go. This can hurt the relationship. So the goal <clears throat> is not reconciliation. The goal is no regrets so that you can be able to know that you did what you can. And, and I want us to take a look at a passage where the Apostle Paul addresses this very issue. In his letter to the church in Rome, chapter 12, verse 18, here's what Paul says about this. If you would, let's read the highlighted words together. He says, if it is possible... As far as it depends on who, on you, live at peace with everyone. So let's unpack that for a minute. If it is possible, what the Apostle Paul is saying without saying, what he's implying is sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes the other person has dug their heels in. They are not coming your way. They do not want to resolve this. They do not want uh, peace. <laughs> And with that person like that, you are going to have to just let them have what they want because you can't force them. You can't make a goal for them, right? If it is possible, so he's setting the conditions for it. If the other person's saying like, okay, yeah, I'll come your way. If it is possible, as far as it depends on, not on them, but on you, on me, on, on us, live at peace. Resolve the conflict. Work towards a solution where this infraction is somehow healed or as much as it can be. Somehow that you're able to move forward with a healthy, loving understanding of each other. He says, live at peace with everyone. Now that's pretty inclusive. He chose that word on purpose. He didn't say just with your close friends or your close Christian friends or with your church friends. He, he says everyone, I don't care if they're Christians or not, if you have interactions with them in this life, I want you to be a man or a woman of peace that you're willing to talk about and deal with 
hard things to move towards peace. In other words, you need to have, have come to the place where you realize, I've done everything I could. I, I opened the door, Will. I, I put out the welcome mat. I like lowered the drawbridge. <laughs> I moved all the unnecessary obstacles out of the way so that it takes the pressure off of them so they can begin to move forward with you towards reconciliation. But Paul, make no mistake about it, he's making the point here that we all play a part in reconciliation. We all play a part in reassembly and repairing relationships, no matter who's at fault. We all play a part. This is so important. Now, let me say this as clearly as I can. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian today, what we're talking about today is not optional. It is, there's no place in Scripture he's like, well, if you get around to, like, if you, you feel like it, you can do this, right? No. This is absolutely part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So let me break it down further. Let's define this word reconciliation. First of all, let me just say, that is the operative word in the Christian faith. There would be no Christianity without this idea of reconciliation. And let me give you a quick definition. It is the restoration of a relationship. That's what reconciliation is, the restoration of a relationship. And the story of redemption, <clears throat> pardon me, throughout the Bible is the story of how God, the account of how God is reconciling sinful, broken human beings to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. That is, in a nutshell, the story of the Bible. God was not content to just forgive you. You must hear this. Forgiveness is just half of the equation. Isn't it true that I could forgive you but never get around to actually reconciling with you? Of course. That happens all the time, especially among Christians. My goodness. That is way more common than people who actually reconcile. But we need to understand that reconciliation is the win. Now, to be clear, it's not the goal, but we're praying for, we're working towards that reconciliation is the win, both in our relationship with God, because Jesus makes this possible, but also with other people. It's, it's what we are praying for. We're hoping that God does it, but we're trying not to pin anything on it because that is up to that person's heart and God working and it's not up to you. It's not up to me. And that's really kind of a nice, big, you know, breath of fresh air because it's not up to you to fix this, right? Now, let me just say this before we go any further about this idea of reconciliation. Sometimes reconciliation can sometimes be unwise and even unsafe. And what I, what I mean by that is sometimes the person that you've had the falling out with, they're abusive, they're abusive maybe verbally or psychologically or physically or sexually towards you. And you, it's just, just not a safe person for you to be around. Or they're a narcissist. And they, they're so self-consumed, they hurt everybody indiscriminately. It's just anybody that's around them. They, and they're unaware. And not only are they unaware, but they're unwilling to humble themselves enough to go get help. And in those circumstances... I've seen family members, and I think this is so wise and even safe for them and their kids. They have had to put boundaries around, hey, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, brother, sister. Hey, until you can get, you know, deal with that, I don't even feel good about my kids being around you a whole lot. 
because you hurt all of us. Now, it's going to probably infuriate them, and they'll think, well, it's your problem, and I don't really have the problem. They're not going to see it. They're blind to it. But at least you've spoken the truth, and you can do it with compassion, and you can begin to put boundaries. But let's just, for a moment, we'll put a pin in that, because that is the exception to the rule. The vast majority of the time, we don't reconcile with other people because it's just simply uncomfortable or it is inconvenient. Let's, let's just be honest. It's real inconvenient. I mean, super. Who's got time, like schedules time for reconciliation in their week? Nobody does that. That is such a big pain in the backside. Like, nobody wants to do that. We would much rather just say, oh, I forgive them, Pastor. Well, it's not a big deal. Like, it's great just to say, oh, I forgive them because we hold the control. We hold all the cards. We can control the outcomes of just I forgive. But the idea is here that we need to understand that, that God wasn't content just to forgive. That God, his goal always, the gospel story is that he didn't just forgive, that Jesus spanned heaven to earth to come here so that we might be reconciled to our heavenly father. See, Jesus's, or God's forgiveness through Jesus was just a means to an end. And the end was that you might be his child that you'd be unified with him and you'd be led by his spirit every day. And it's beautiful. And he's calling us into that kind of a relationship with other human beings. Jesus gave us this command right before he went to the cross, right at the end of his public ministry, where he says, I want you to do for others what I have done for you. And this is in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. And I know some of you have read this many times. But here is Jesus shortly before the cross saying, a new command I give you, love one another, which I'm sure somebody in the back of the room is like, hey, Jesus, that's not all that new. That's like in the Old Testament too, you know? But he's like, hey, wait, here's the new part, right? As I have loved you, so you must, this is where it's a command, you must love one another. And by this, everyone, once again, not just some people, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. This was Jesus showing us, listen, I want you to learn to love other people the way I love you. And I wasn't content to just merely or simply forgive you, but I went the extra mile to reconcile you to me. And now as my follower, you must, this is a command, you must try, you must attempt not everybody that Jesus offers the ministry of reconciliation to says yes, nor will they to you. Some of them will reject it, but it should never be an excuse for not extending it, offering it, opening your arms and saying, I'd like to resolve this. I'd like to have a good relationship. And they may say, forget it, no way. But you need to do your part. The Apostle Paul later echoes the words of Jesus in his letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. I love this. He says, in your relationships with one another. What relationships, Paul? All of them. Everybody, right? Going back to Romans 12, 18, and with everyone, right? And he goes on to say, have the same mindset, the same mindset as Christ Jesus, 
I want you to learn how to, when you approach other people, you're approaching them the way that Jesus would approach them. So that's a good question we ought to be asking. So what was the mindset of Jesus? What was Jesus' mindset when he approached other people? I think the best answer we have to that question is when Jesus was responding to the scribes and Pharisees over in Luke chapter 5, when they were asking him, hey, Jesus, why? Why do you always go out of your way to move in the direction of sinners? Oh, my gosh. Ugh, yuck. Why are you doing that, Jesus? Like, why don't you just wait till they come to their senses and come to you like we do, like the rest of the world does? Why are you doing this, Jesus? What was Jesus' response? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but, let's say it together, but sinners to repentance. Again, I have come from, you know who I am? I'm the son of the living God. I've come from heaven. I've moved mountains. I have cleared all the unnecessary obstacles out of the way. I've even taken the 640 plus Old Testament laws that you people impose on everybody and I boiled it down to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Three, love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. I'm making this as simple as I possibly can. I'm trying to help as many people as possible to be reconciled to God because I love you and I want you to go out and live that same kind of life, to have that same kind of approach to others. I want you to move in the direction of the unreconciled just like I did and you don't have a lot of time so stop waiting. Take advantage of the moments. Take advantage of today being willing to step out. And let me just tell you, in the next message in this series, I want to give you the one decision that will help pave the way to reconciliation. So we'll get into that more next time. But here's what I'd like to do. I want to give you three questions to keep this conversation going over this afternoon, maybe this evening, with your family, with your friendship circles, that you guys can you know, talk about this. Maybe you want to talk about this with some people that you've got a little tension with. It might be helpful. So let's go through these, um, these three questions for discussion. Here's the first one. Which of these C4 or four C's do you reach for first when conflict arises? Is it to convince? Are you trying to convict? Are you trying to coerce? Are you trying to control? And if you're not sure which one you reach for, just ask your family. They'd be happy to tell you. They know probably better than anybody which ones you reach for when there's a conflict in the family. So here's number two. Now, do you have friends or family who are estranged from one another? From your vantage point, what's keeping the conflict alive? You probably can see something they don't see. And this answer to number two sets you up really well for number three. Here's number three. If you are estranged from a friend or family member, what's stopping you from taking steps to repair it? Right? It's always easier to give relationship advice than to receive relationship advice. And get real honest about that question. What is keeping you, what is stopping you? What is the thing that's justifying you going, nope, I'm not even going to try? Right? Is it possible? Would you be willing to set that aside just temporarily and take a little step towards them? 
and just start the conversation. Just begin with where you are. It's amazing what God can do with us just putting our willingness to say, God, I don't know what to say. I don't have this figured out, but I'm willing to give you my yes. I'm willing to step out there. I think we would all agree that the world would be a better place if people were willing to do that. It would definitely be a safer place. And if you would like us to text you these questions, all you have to do is text BF Series to 97000. If you're already on our BF Series uh, text list, then you'll automatically get them this afternoon. But if you'd like those, just text that. We'll make sure to send those out to you. And I just want to ask you guys that right now, right here, as we get ready to close up this message, I want to ask you, who is it that God's put on your heart right now that you need to take just even a little micro step towards them? Now, I, I realize for some of you, you're like, well, I have tried and tried and tried and tried, and it just this doesn't work. And these are like, these are some of the people I have to be careful. I have to kind of have safe boundaries with. Hey, that, I get it. I understand it. We, we've got people like that in our family too. So I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the other people you haven't really tried with or when you did, it was not a great attempt. It was kind of a failed attempt. Would you be willing to say, hey, with God's help, I'm willing to take a step. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.